Okay, so let's move into the sermon. How's that? Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can go to Exodus chapter 3. As you know, a few weeks ago, I started a brand new series called Heroes that I'm pretty excited about. It comes out of my love for biographies, my love for reading the stories of men and women's life, and then taking their stories and applying them to uh, just taking their stories and learning from them. Because when you finish their stories, you feel like you know them, right? You feel like you know them in a more personal way. When we started this series out together, we started out with Adam, right? And so we looked at Adam's life about how to have victory. Victory over failure. How, how to move on after you've blown it. The second week, we looked at Moses, and we looked at Moses' life, how to have victory over insecurity. That we all deal with insecurities. We all have le- different levels of insecurities. Our insecurities may be in different places. The problem is, it's not your insecurity. The problem is, is what you do with them. Now, this week, we're going to look at Moses' life one more time. And really and truly, this is it's just a sad story. Moses' life is a life, when you look at his life and you start reading his life and you start realizing all that God did with him, led the children of Israel out of, out of, out of Egypt and on to freedom and, and the promise of the Ten Commandments and, and uh, splitting of the Red Sea, all the miracles, all the plagues, the ways that God used Moses. And then you come to the end of his life, the end of his bi- biography, and you look at it and you read it. And when I read it for the first time, it was just a sad story because Moses' life is a life of what could have been. Moses did not finish well. And God used him greatly, and we've studied that, and we've looked at that. But this is not only kind of sobering as we look at Moses' life, but it also comes as a warning to us that we would not live a life of what could have been. I mean, we talk about that, right, a lot in whether it's sports arenas. Sometimes we talk about sports stars and we talk about what their life could have been, uh, whether it's uh, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, whether it's Des Bryant and, or T.O. or some of those guys, or if you're a Bronco fan, Brandon Marshall maybe for you guys, and maybe some others, or maybe Tiger Woods if you follow golf. But there's this commentary on their life, and you look at their life and you say, man, just what could have been? We do it in political arenas, right? I mean, we'll look at a politician that's kind of up and coming and, and maybe a, be a voice and all this other stuff, and then all of a sudden an indiscretion, a problem in their life, a choice in their life, and we look at that life and we say, wow, what a sad commentary. All those talents, all those abilities, and what could have been. Unfortunately, we see this in the church as well. That we'll see God using a pastor or God using a leader in a dramatic way. And they make front page of the headlines and the news. And we just say, what could have been? Here, here's a principle of, the, of, of Scripture, for sure, of uh, Moses' life is this. Is your faithfulness today does not guarantee your faithfulness tomorrow. Your obedience today does not guarantee your obedience tomorrow. And listen, you know me, those of you who have been with me, you know I am a burden preacher. And I, man, God just gives me this burden and it just stirs in me. And my burden is just to lay all the tables out on the table. I said table twice, didn't I? (laughs) Anyway, just to lay maybe my burdens out on the table. I have a burden that there may be some people that are going to live a life 
of what could have been. Moses was insecure and followed God and was obedient and did some huge things. And then one incident in his life, one situation in his life, and he wasn't obedient. He trusted feelings and emotion. Some issues in his life came up, and he made a decision. And he was not allowed to go into the promised land. His life is a life of what could have been. When God told him, just speak to the rock and let water come out. And Moses' anger came up. He wasn't obedient to what God had called him to do. And he struck the rock out of anger, said some things he shouldn't have said. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 48, and we'll get to Exodus chapter 3 in just a second, but Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 54, uh, 52, I'm sorry. I'm going to start reading a little bit in 51 and then move into 51, here, or 52. Here's what God said. He said, you failed to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel there. So watch this, verse 52. So you will see the land from a distance. In other words, you're not going in. I mean, when I saw this, when I read this for the first time, and I studied Moses' life, man, I mourned over this. I'm like, Moses, what could have been? If you just stayed... So, so you may not enter the, the land I'm going to give you to the people of, of Israel. And so Moses' life was a life of, of what could have, be, could have been. And so just three things this morning, just as we, as we looked at this, and we look at this not only in, out of Moses' life and the principles out of Moses' life, but we look at this so that we can prevent our story, the biography of our life, the story of our life, to be one of those stories where people look into our life and says, what could have been? All God had done for you, all the things you had done for God, and all the gifts, all the talents, all the blessings, all the stuff. Your life was a life of what could have been. You just missed out. So just three things here this morning about this issue, about today's faithfulness does not guarantee tomorrow's faithfulness. Today's obedience does not guarantee uh, tomorrow's obedience. The first one is this. If you're not going to have a life of what could have been, then you have to follow God to this extent that God gives direction out of his word, not based upon feelings. God gives us direction. God speaks to us out of his word, not, not from emotions, not from circumstances, not from feelings, that God speaks to us directly from his word. I mean, God always spoke into Moses' life, and he used his word into his life. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. Here's what the scripture says. It says, Then the Lord said to him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard the cries, their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. I mean, so stop right there, just real quickly. God is aware of your situation. God is aware of your situation. God is aware of your suffering. God is aware of your circumstances. God is aware of what you're going through, maybe relationally, what you're going through in a marriage, what you're going through with the economy, what you're going through in different situations in your life. Isn't it good to know that God is aware? God's presence is in your life. And God was aware of what was going on in the children of Israel's life. And I am here to tell you this morning that he is aware of what you're dealing with right now. Whether the person next to you knows it or not. Whether the people that are close to you knows it or not. That is not the issue. That is not the question. God is aware. 
of your circumstance. God is aware of your situation. But here's the good news, and here's what he's saying. It does not stop there. Watch this. He said, so yes, I'm aware of their suffering. Verse 8 is just one of those huge verses. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. Listen, God is aware of your situation, and so we get that and we understand that. But the other side of that is this. We need him to come down in our situation, right? I mean, we need to figure out, like Moses, we need to figure out how to get God's power in my circumstances, how to get God's power in my situation, how to get God's power in that thing, in that circumstance, in that situation that I'm carrying that maybe nobody knows about to the depth that I'm carrying. See, the question is is, is that, that God is aware of your suffering, but it's so much deeper than that. That God desires to come down The manifested presence of God is God at work in your situation. God at work in your situation. God's at work in your suffering. And that we get that and we understand. See, this is just some huge principles. This is a huge verse. So so God says, guess what? I've seen your situation. I've seen your suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites and Hittites and Amorites and Perizzites and Hittites and and Jebusites and Termites and everybody else. (laughs) It's a bad place. (laughs) And he says, now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel have reached me. Again, he said, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people of Israel out of Egypt. I'm telling you, listen, God sees what you're going through, right? God sees your situation. Listen, I carry struggles and burdens along with you. There are situations in my life right now that we need God's power applied to our situation. And let me tell you something. You know how it's done? By standing on his word. Not based upon circumstance, not based upon popularity, not based upon emotions or feelings, not based upon whether you feel like his power is being applied or not. It is based upon his word and his word alone. This is for free. We believe so much in this principle here at Fellowship of the Rockies as leaders, as pastors. To where men and women, boys and girls, who are followers of Christ, it's normative for, their, for them to open up His Word and allow His Word to speak to them every day. To the point that we life journal right along with you. And a lot of you, you, you've heard us talk about life journaling, and maybe you don't understand that. You wonder, hey, what's up with that? I, I, this is first I've heard of that. Immediately following this service, if, if you'd like to join with us, you can go to the information kiosk, you can grab one, you can go online, lifejournal.cc, and you can learn how to do it, and I'll help you. This is just, this is, this is just extra right here. Because it's something that we just believe in so strongly. That God desires to speak to you right out of his word. Amen. To the point, it's a requirement for our pastors. It's a requirement for our leaders. 
It's not just a value that we talk about on the weekends. It is a value that we hold down to the depths of our soul. That we just open up his word. To where at the 9 o'clock service, our worship team was in that side room over there while I was preaching. And you know what they did? They opened up their Bibles together. They opened up their life journals together. And they started sharing their verses and how it applied to them. To where we understand that God, that God desires to speak to us directly out of His Word, not based upon emotion. This church is not led by feelings and emotion. This church stands on His Word. This church is led by the principles out of, out of the Bible. Uh, to the point this last week, I was reading Psalms 131 at a life journal, and it just spoke to me so much. And I'll just give you an example of how you do that, and we'll move on. But I was reading Psalms 131, and memorization is really difficult for me. I have trouble even remembering simple stuff, and just in memorization. And, and I came across Psalms 131, and, and it, it touched me so deeply that I'm like, I'm going to memorize the whole psalm. Now, before you get excited, it's only three verses. <laughs> it's not like Psalms 119 with a hundred and something verses. It's just three simple verses. Because it just spoke to me. So I'm life journaling. And, and, uh, and so David writes and David says, Oh, Lord. He says, I am not proud of heart. And I'm not, I'm not haughty with my eyes. Nor should I concern myself with things that are too awesome and great for me to grasp. For I have learned to quiet and calm my heart. And he goes on and here's what grabbed me. So, so I, you would take that verse if you life journal. And that, the S would be your favorite verse out of the reading of the day. It takes like 20 minutes. And so I would take that verse, and I, I, I took the verse that I have learned to calm and quiet my heart. It, when, when you're going through a struggle, when you need God's power applied to your situation, don't you need a quiet heart? So you know what's important, more important than a Sabbath day? A Sabbath heart. To where there's just this calmness and there's this peace. It's a, when David wrote that I no longer concern myself with things that are too great or too awesome for me to grasp. I mean, I just wrote out, you know what? I don't have to be a running commentary on everybody's life. I don't have to be a running commentary on the world. I don't have to be a running commentary on every situation. Because you know what that does for me? It gives me stress. But here's what I do have to learn. I have to learn to quiet and calm my heart. And David goes on in verse 3 and says, and you know how you do that? Your hope and trust in God. So, so listen, so I, I did my S, which is my scripture. I did my O, which is the observation. Listen, you don't have to be a, a pastor. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a seminary student. You don't even need a commentary to do this. Listen, let me just tell you something. The Bible was not written to pastors. The Bible was not written to theologians. The pastors was not written to those that, that had com. Listen, the Bible was written to believers. Wouldn't it be a great day in your life if you came to the point to where you could open up the Bible, you were not dependent on me to interpret it for you, you were not dependent on me to apply it for you, but you daily could get something from him just like you do on the weekends. And so I just observed about it. And then the application, how am I going to apply this to my life? 
Lord, I'm going to make a commitment to you, and I'm going to learn just to quiet my, my, my heart and calm my spirit by my hope and my trust in, in you. I'm, I'm telling you, listen, God did amazing things in Moses' life when he was just willing to take God's word and stand on it. When he's willing to take God's word and apply it to his life. You see, we live in a time where it's popular to say you're religious. It's popular, especially politicians, but you're, it's a popular time to say people are religious or people spiritual. Listen, you don't need to know whether they're religious or not. Here's what you need to know. You need to know their faith informs them. You need to know this, that they are principled and that they are biblical and they take the word and they open it and they're willing to apply it to their life. See, that's what carries weight. That's what's different about people. And Moses... I mean, see, when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, it wasn't about Moses. It was about God. And it was about God because God told Moses, says, they're my children. You're going to lead my, not your children. It wasn't about Moses. He knew Moses was insecure. He knew Moses had all kinds of issues. But he also knew that Moses would depend on him. Listen, I'm telling you, victory is always secure when we depend on him. Victory is always, it may not come when you want it to, it may not come fast enough. But I'm telling you, victory is secure. You want to protect your life from a life of what could have been? It is living your life on the Word. And not living your life based upon emotions and based upon circumstances and based upon feeling. See, it just bothers me that there's so many people that, that may email me, and that's fine. Uh, I enjoy that. You keep, keep emailing me. And, and so, so the people that email me, stop me in the hall or call me or come in and see me, and they tell me what's going on in their marriage or they tell me what's going on in their relationship, they tell me what's going on in their life, and I look at them and say, okay, let me help you to take biblical principles and apply them to your life, to apply them to your situation, so God to intervene. Here's what the Bible would say about that. And then they look at me and say, well, I can't do that. That's crazy. Live in purity? Live with integrity? Forgive someone? They got to pay for what they... That, that. Listen, I'm telling you. Man, it just burdens me. The Bible is the key to your life. To where people create a hunger for His Word. To where His, his Word... You know, I have fasted a lot in my ministry, in my life. And here's what I've learned about fasting, that it is true. Man does not live on bread alone. You know what sustains me in fast? His word. God speaks to us. God gives us direction through his word. Not feelings, not emotions. The second thing is this. God's blessing is tied to our obedience. Not his love, and we'll understand that. So we don't want to confuse the two. God's blessing in your life, God's blessing in my life is tied to his obedience. See, the turning point came in Moses' life when he's leading the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt. And he went to Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. You guys, most of you know that story. And so, so Pharaoh had this lapse of judgment. Whatever happened, the scripture says it was God that let him. But anyway, so, so, so Pharaoh lets, lets Moses go and says, get your, get your people, and you guys leave. So they leave, and so millions of, of Jews, millions of slave labor leaves. Well, the next day, the economy falls, and so the advisors come into Pharaoh and says, what were you thinking? What were you doing? 
Our economy is going in the tank. I mean, we're crashing right now because all of our free labor, all of our slave labor is gone. And so, so Pharaoh says, we'll get them back. So he calls in the Egyptian National Guard that was highly trained. And they're, they're, they're chasing after and they're bearing down on the children of Israel that are moving at like a snail's pace. Behind them is the Egyptian National Guard. It, was an, it was, looked like it was going to be a slaughter. In front of them was the Red Sea. And God applied his power to their situation. Watch this. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, verse 30. And this is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. So this is how God applied his power to their situation, to apply his power to their circumstance, to apply his power to their need. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. Okay, so watch this. So, so wouldn't you like to have your struggles washed up on the seashore? Wouldn't you like to have your burden that you're carrying right now just washed away? I'm telling you, it's an obedience. I'm telling you, is it being obedient to his word and taking his word and just applying it to your life? This is just what they did. When the people of Israel saw the mighty power of the Lord and had unleashed against the Egyptians, look at this. So they were filled with awe before him. In other words, they fell down before him and they worshiped him. I mean, they worshiped him like no other time that God had applied his power to their situation. And they put their faith in the Lord and his servant Moses. In other words, Moses at this point was the greatest preacher they'd ever had. And they were worshiping God, and, they, and, they, and it increased their faith, and they thought Moses was just this great guy, and, and, and Moses, God was using Moses for, to get prominence in the world. And Let me just... So many times when we go through struggle in life, you know when we want to talk about the struggle? We want to talk about the struggle after the struggle, right? We want to talk about the victory. See, it's too... It makes us too vulnerable for some, for some people to talk about, I'm in a struggle right now. I'm in a battle right now. You know when we like to talk about it? We like to talk about it when the Red Sea was split. We like to talk about when, when he took care of that situation. But I'm telling you, you know when power comes in the Christian life is when you're willing to talk about it in the midst of the struggle. Some of the people that have encouraged me the most in my Christian life, and maybe you're the same way, are those people that would open up their life in the midst of a struggle. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a prodigal, whether it's an issue in their life, whether it's a relational, whatever it is. And they're just open and transparent, and they talk about their struggle. And in the midst of their struggle, they say, but we're dependent on God. We're going to stay faithful to God in the midst of the struggle. Let me tell you something. Don't be afraid of your struggle. Every one of us has a story. And let me tell you something. Your story is powerful. That's why we have life groups. So we can get people together and we can get them in circles instead of rows and they can look at each other in the eye and they can talk about their life and they can talk about their faithfulness. God, listen, your story could encourage someone else. And their story could encourage you. And God wants to, listen, God wants to provide for you. And so this was a turning point with the children of Israel that they thought it meant death. They thought they were going back into slavery. And God did something that they had never seen before. And all of a sudden, they're worshiping him, and they're talking about how great he is, and they're in awe of him. And God wants to provide for you. He wants to meet your physical needs and emotional needs and financial needs. Listen, God was meeting their needs in the midst of the struggle. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses led the people of, of, of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out of the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days. Okay, so this is important. This is just a few days after the Red Sea incident, right? 
This is the few days when they were in awe of God and they were in awe of Moses and the great pastor and all that other stuff. They've been blessed beyond belief. And we have a short memory sometimes, don't we? Traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Moriah, the water was too bitter to drink, so they called the place Moriah, which means bitter. Then the people... Moses is no longer the greatest pastor in the world. And the people complained and turned against Moses. I'm telling you, when you're in, in this area, when you're, when, you're in the, when you're in the desert of your life, when you're in the desert of the struggle from the event taking place and waiting for God to apply His power to your situation, that's dangerous ground. Because if you're not careful, it will breed Complaining, murmuring, grumbling. And some of us think that's no big deal. But at the root, it is an accusation against God. That He does not care about you. He does not love you. And He is not meeting your needs. But can I tell you this? The desert also is a place of great faithfulness and depth. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, and Moses threw it in the water, and this made the water good to drink. So Moses is taking, it's just our principle, Moses is taking, applying his word to his situation. It was there Moriah, there at Moriah that the Lord set before them following decree as a standard to... Wow, to test their faithfulness. Some, do you realize sometimes your, your desert experience is to test your faithfulness? See, we like to talk about the victory. I'm telling you, there is power when you're willing to talk about the struggle. I mean, over and over you find that God provided for them and He provided and met their needs, their emotional needs, their spiritual needs, their physical needs. God provided water for them. Um, they, they were hungry. So God had done something else that they had never seen. God, God provided manna for them. We don't really know what manna is. Manna in the Hebrew simply means what is it. They didn't know what it was. I think it was either meatloaf or hot dogs. I, I don't know. <laughs> but, I mean, but they're like, what is it? And so we could kind of read in between the lines and know it was kind of like an, uh, a paste, an oatmeal-type substance that, that they could make cakes out of, and they started getting creative with it because they're, like, eating it for three days. And then, then when that wasn't good enough any longer, they complained against God again. And so they wanted meat, and so he gave them some quail, and so that caused another set of, set of issues. And then Exodus chapter 17, they were thirsty. And so God tells Moses to... to, to, to um, to uh, strike the rock so that water comes forth in a miracle so that they would see that it is God that is supplying their needs. And so, so he provided water for them. Then Numbers chapter 20, uh, they come to another place and they were thirsty. And, and so this time God told Moses to just speak to the rock and not strike the rock. And, and he provided water then and God gave them the Ten Commandments. And, and what God was doing in the midst of their struggles is, listen, he wasn't meeting their desires and he wasn't meeting all their wants. He was meeting their needs. And he was teaching them that it comes from 
him. See, when you're in that desert time and you're waiting for God to apply his power to your situation, you have an option. You can honor him. You can glorify him. You can wait on him. Or you can complain and grumble about how he's handling the situation. I mean, the children of Israel, they're, they're like always grumbling. They were always complaining. I mean, if you look at all the things. God delivered them out of bondage. He delivered them out of slavery. He used miracles and plagues to do it. And he destroyed Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. He gave them food and he gave them water. He gave them, he gave them clothes that never wore out. We had a car like that once. Now, I'm serious. When we came here to plant Fellowship of the Rockies, we didn't, we didn't get a salary and all that other stuff. And, and because everybody had a Suburban in, in Texas, right? That's what you guys think. Everybody in Texas drives a Suburban. We had a Suburban. And so we came here with this Suburban. And you know what? For the few, first few years of that car, that, uh, uh, starting this church, that car was like bulletproof. You couldn't, you couldn't break it. I mean, and we, we started saying, you know what? It's just that car that God's provided for us. He's meeting our needs. And it's a car that will never wear out. And it didn't. It it's, went on to do mission work down at the Wayside Cross. But anyway, <laughs> that's just for, and so he led them out of the promise of Israel. And listen, all of that, all of that that I just read, do you realize that wasn't good enough for them? They still grumbled and they still complained, not about what God was doing, but what he wasn't doing in their life. They were complaining, listen, we think it's no big deal. It is a huge deal. And sometimes we're the same way where God moves and God intervenes and God does this huge thing in our life. And days later, it's like he's done nothing in our life. God is trying to help the children to Israel to understand that he is the one. He is the one that supplies their needs. He is the one. Listen, read the New Testament for you. Read all the, this is homework. So go home and read all the New Testament. And read the parts when people came up to Jesus with a need. Jesus never told someone, you know what you need? You need more money. You know what? You need more money. More money to solve every problem. You you know what Jesus said? Jesus says, you know what you need? You need more of me. You need more of me. And you need to be obedient. And you need to learn in life to be a giver. That life is not all about you. Listen, God couldn't please all the children of Israel. Moses couldn't please all the children of Israel. I mean, I'm sure he regretted when he said, let all my people go. Some of you get that later. (laughs) Listen, and you can't please all the people. Sometimes you can't please everybody in your family, right? Moms, sometimes you just fry the wrong eggs, right? You don't know why they're upset. You don't know why they're mad. Teenagers, there's sometimes it feels like no matter what you do, you can't please mom or dad. Sometimes no matter what you do, it feels like I can't please my friends. I mean, I just said one thing and they like unfollowed me on Twitter. They unfriended me on Facebook. (laughs) And they're talking trash about me. Man, welcome to life. Listen, if God couldn't please all the children of Israel... You think you can? You think you can please everyone around you? The last thing is this. It's just so huge. God's will is always met by God's provisions. Man, I'm telling you. God will not lead you to a place where he will not provide for you. God's will in life 
is always met with his provisions. That's why living a biblical life, that's why it's so important that you stand on his word. Moses, when he was called to serve God, he, man, he had self-image. He didn't believe in himself. And God told him, Moses, it's not about your gifts. It's not, I'll be with you. I'm going to do this. See, see one of, another one of my burdens is this. I just have this burden. If people truly understand what it means to follow Christ... See, the older people get, the more that they want. Choice and convenience. Choice, I've worked all, the American way, I've worked all of my life to get to this place where I've just got all this free time, and it's just about choice and convenience. Choice, you know what, I'll serve him. I'll serve him as long as you give me a lot of choices. I'll serve him as long as you just make it as convenient as possible. And Jesus is the one that says, if you desire to follow me, you take up your cross, you deny yourself. And you just follow me, it flies in the face of choice and convenience. There are people who say, you know what, I'd read the Bible if it's convenient. You know, you don't understand, I just don't have enough time. Let me tell you something, you, you do what you value. When the, when the children of Israel, when they didn't take God's word and they didn't apply it to their life, you know what God said about them? He said the reason you do that is not because you don't have enough time, not because you don't even really value it. The reason that you don't take his word and apply it to to your life is this, that you are stubborn and stiff-necked. That's what God said about the children of Israel. To where you get that stiff-necked attitude to where you say, nobody's telling me what to do. This is my life. And I'm so burdened that some people don't understand. They look at the Christian life like fire insurance. Fire. (laughs) Just so we're tracking In Texas, I was at church one time, and a friend invited me to like this revival, and this guy was in a tent, and he's like preaching. And I still don't know what he was angry about, but he was angry with the preacher. He was angry about something. You know that type of preacher that's like telling you God loves you, but they act like they're angry that he loves you? (laughs) That type of guy. Angry the whole time. And got near the end, and so it's Texas, and so we use some different stories in, in time, and if you're from Texas, you probably heard this, or maybe you heard stories or whatever, but he got down to the end about the invitation time, and he says, you know what, none of you know how long you have. You might, you might die tonight, so here we go with the fear stuff, and so, so he said, so you may leave here tonight, you may be crossing the road, and a tractor may hit you and kill you. You know, I was a thinking person even at that age, and I thought, you know what? I, most, most tractors I know don't go very fast. I'll bet you I'd get out of the way. <laughs> you know what? Anyone that gets run over a tractor, you deserve it. <laughs> I mean, right? But he didn't stop there, you know, because then he says things like, you know what? It's, it's, well, it's your choice. It's, whether, it's your choice whether you want to spend eternity in hell and burning, you know, that deal. You know, turn or burn, I smell bacon burning now. So it's your choice. You can spend eternity in hell burning the rest of your life, or you can go to heaven. So here's how you go to heaven. It's your choice. You pray the simple prayer, which becomes a sacrament. So you just pray the simple prayer. It comes at no cost to anyone that's praying it. You just pray a prayer. And for a long time in my life, I had false security that I was a believer. Because the New Testament knows nothing. I'm just telling you, the New Testament knows nothing of someone coming into a relationship with him and their life not changing. 
Fact is, Jesus, the larger the crowd, the harder the message. Fact is, before people followed Jesus, Jesus made sure you better count the cost. There's no such thing in the Bible as easy believism. To just pray this simple prayer and then you're magically a believer and all this other, I'm, I'm telling you. The commitment is important, but the, 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 the prayer is important, but the, it has to be followed up with a commitment. Listen, let me just tell you this morning. His blessing in your life are tied to your obedience, but his love for you is tied to his character. And so many times we get that backwards and we think, you know what, his love for me is tied to my performance. His love for me is tied to my obedience. No, let me tell you something. His love for you is tied to his character. To where the scripture says when you're in Christ and you had that life change and you've had that transformation in your life, that the scripture says that no one can separate you from the love of God. Not yourself, not someone else, not an ex-husband, not an ex-wife, not an ex-relationship, not a broken relationship, not a mom, not a dad, not a friend. But that nothing can separate you from him. See, it's just being obedient to him and obedient to his word and taking his word and applying it to your life. It seems like just a simple thing in Numbers chapter 20 when God told Moses and Aaron, says, you know what, just speak to the rock. And water will come out. So what happened? Two things happened in Moses' life. One was anger. See, Moses all of his life never dealt with his anger, and he had this common thread of anger in his life. Remember when we first started the story with Moses, out of his anger, anger he got mad and he murdered a, a man that was oppressing a Hebrew. And when you look at Moses' ministry and you look at Moses' life, he never really dealt with his anger. See, anger is a secondary emotion. It's not a primary emotion. There's something that drives anger. What drives anger a lot of times is fear, and it can be fear of a lot of things. And it's out of fear that we just lash out, or it's out of fear that, that we want to control. It's out of fear that we want to get our way, or we, it's, it's out of fear because of our hurt and because of our pain, or because of fear of we're going to be taken advantage of, or all of those other things. And so we take the offensive. And I'm telling you, Moses never got over his anger. fact is, Moses never gave his anger to God. Now let me ask, are, is there anything you're withholding from him right now that you are excusing away a habit, a situation? Because all, all God told Moses to do is just speak to the rock. And Moses gets angry. And he strikes the rock and he says some things he shouldn't have said. And as a result of that, he had a life of what could have been. Moses and Aaron both heard from God, and they decided to do it their way. And I'm asking you this morning do you know him? Not did you accept him because of fear and all that other stuff. But do you know him? And you've entered into a relationship with him. And there's this transformation. There's life change starting to happen. Boy, if you've never done that, we want to give you this opportunity, that opportunity this morning. Maybe you know him. 
Is there something you're withholding from him? Are you making decisions based upon feelings and emotions or his word? Do you understand that his blessing is tied to your obedience? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you this morning, what is God saying to you as a result of this message? How does God want you to respond? There's a response for every one of us. Do you need to accept him for the very first time into your life and come into a relationship with him and tell him to the very best of my ability? And I'm going to deny myself and I'm just going to follow you. And I'm going to learn to take your word and apply it to my life. Maybe this morning you're a believer. Maybe you're living a life of feelings and emotions and you're headed for a life or of what could have been. Did you just trust him and see what he'd do in your life?